we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. This episode was recorded at the Vision High Tech Training and Expo in Overland Park, Kansas. Join our panel of educational professionals as they discuss the significant impact training has within our industry. Here's what's coming up. Every technician takes tests every day on every car they work on. Every service professional, everyone that walks in, talks to a service consultant at the front desk, that's a test for the service consultant, whether they can convert that customer into a lifelong customer and create a sale, you know, and support the shop that way. The same person that's answering that inquiry about a particular issue is the same person that's writing the training material. So they, they see firsthand what the actual issue is. That's what's happening, right? You're learning the, the fundamentals during the day, you're applying them in the afternoon, uh, learning the higher level stuff during the day, applying them in the afternoon. And here's a way that we are challenging these technicians and to stay in the industry, grow in the industry, and then you know, it, hopefully offset that, that lack of young people coming in that we're fighting. For a better business, a better life, and a better industry. The Institute's Leading Edge. Welcome. Uh, uh, we are live at Vision 2019 with uh, uh, Dave, uh, uh, Dave, David, and uh, and Dan. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and their companies. We're going to talk a little bit here about uh, education and uh, uh, you know kind of explore the subject a bit. Love to have your questions online. So let's start with you, uh, Dave. Introduce yourself and your company. Thank you, Cecil. I'm Dave Cusa with the Automotive Coaching and Training Group. Uh, so we provide uh, coaching for shop owners, shop managers, and service advisors. Yay, team. We'll pass this thing around. Thank you. Uh, I'm David Lynn. I'm with Autologic Diagnostics. We provide technical support, automotive technical support for all makes, all models, as well as a diagnostic platform. And in addition to that, we also provide training. Yay, team. I'm Dan Baumhart. I'm from the ASE Education Foundation, the ASE uh, credentialing program. We provide credentialing exams for service professionals across the automotive trade, as well as support for education through uh, accreditation of um, secondary and post-secondary programs. So, so Dan, you, you got the mic. So let's start. Let's start with you. Um, uh, uh, so, ASE, we all know ASE. At least I think we, sh we should. And that's the you know certifying our people in certain areas, uh, tech technical and uh, service advisors and other stuff. I know you guys have expanded, I know a couple of years ago. What what kind of training do you guys provide? Training or do you support training? What do you do to help these guys uh, come up to the level they need to be? So we do not hmm. provide any training in our organization. Our organization is about credentialing and then accrediting training programs specifically for aftermarket through the uh, what's called the ASE Training Managers Council. Uh, Dave Milne from our organization is president of that uh, organization and they're doing a conference coming up here in April. Um, the Education Foundation accredits secondary and post-secondary uh, schools through a, an evaluation process and then they also have uh, standards that they have for automotive, collision, and medium-heavy truck program. We do have some uh, industry support programs, such as the Intro to Automotive Service, which would be the closest thing we have to training. Uh, that's a couple modules done electronically. Um, and then we also have a, a, a program for EPA Section 609 uh, requirement, where technicians that work on mobile air conditioning need a credential, uh, similar to what Max does. We do one as well. So that's those are pretty much what um, we do. What would you? <coughs> excuse me. Of course. I don't cough at all. 
the second we go on live, I got to choke. I'm choking to death. So, um, uh, uh, I know that when I went to take my ASC tests a thousand years ago, um, I went and bought uh, manuals uh, that were the testing manuals that had like pretests in the back, etc. Well, if, if I was a, a young tech and I wanted to get my ASCs, I, I have a lot of guys. We we build pay plans that 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 reward for education and ASC testing in, in a lot of our programs. And we have a lot of technicians that are, I think, either afraid to take the test or they take it and they fail, not necessarily because they don't know the material, but because they just have a hard time, they just a hard time to taking tests. Every technician takes tests every day on every car they work on, every service professional, everyone that walks in, talks to the service consultant at the front desk, that's a test for the service consultant, whether they can convert that customer into a lifelong customer and create a sale, you know, and support the shop that way. Technicians that sit for the test, the scenarios in the tests are uh, reality-based, right? So it's a scenario that they would see a, a vehicle that pulls to the left during braking, a car that pulls to the left when the steering wheel's straight, uh, a vehicle that has maybe a, a wear issue on a right rear brake related to an ADS issue where the customer's driving down the, the solid stripe. Um, those are the types of questions they'll see. There's heavy electrical on the test. That's something that challenges all technicians and always has. And that type of content is really where a technician should focus their test preparation. ASC provides study guides or the task list or job descriptions that their peers have created to, to determine what will be on the test. If a technician reviews that, they can see what they're going to face and they can review those tasks and anything they feel they're not as knowledgeable about, they could spend some time uh, training on that. And if they fail a test, it's very important to remember the questions that they thought there might be two correct answers to. That usually indicates they're not as knowledgeable about that content. At least that's how I felt when I took the test. Hey, I don't know this. I better remember that when I get back. And then come to a, um, a training conference or go seek training from their manufacturer or their, their support staff. In that specific area right. to yep. strengthen my exactly. knowledge base. Exactly. So if they don't understand what, <clears throat> why a, a vehicle may have false analog brake activation when it's a dry pavement and a normal stop, then they need to go seek training somewhere. So it goes sit down and see like uh, the Bosch program tonight. Uh, Carl or here, uh, Carl Schneider's doing a class on uh, from Bosch on uh, driver assistance improves brake technology. Right. So really important to to go seek training and education when you have a problem passing the test or in order to become prepared for the test. And electrical is key on all of the mechanical tests. So so just, I, I want to get to the other guys here, and, and uh, but I still have one more question for you, really. And that is, I don't know that everybody kind of understands how the tests are derived. I always thought uh, some crazy guy you know, right. genius technician was sitting in a room with lots, lots of a, lots of fluorescent lights for days at an end and lots of coffee right in the, the yeah. stuff. So how, how does that happen? So the, the tests are created by working service professionals. Industry comes to us and says, we, we see this need, we'd like you to evaluate that, we do that. And some industries will support, like parts specialist tests were uh, really funded by the auto parts industry. They brought those forward. The school bus, transit bus, those industries brought those forward. So. Once a test is created, the, the uh, job description for that test is built by working professionals that do that job every day. Um, they, for the brakes test, for example, uh, the manufacturers from domestic uh, and import, Asian and European, come to ASE, they provide a staff member to work on a technical committee, and then we fill in the other spots with maybe big box retailers, independent service technicians, and then they move forward, review the task list, write questions to those specific tasks on the task list, 
and then from there those are approved, made as generic as possible, pre-tested on the, the tests, and, and then if they make the, the grade, they're then used to determine a, a candidate's knowledge and abilities, to determine if they're uh, knowledgeable from the less than knowledgeable candidate. Okay, so one more question, and then we'll, then we'll move around a bit. Sure. So technician A, technician B, who are these guys? Because right. sometimes yeah. they're really, really smart, right. and sometimes they're really, really <laughs> tough. There's a, a little bit of a problem with the tech A, tech B. The tech A, tech B uh, technician on the ASE exam is a very uh, straightforward, true-false question, um, but they're very difficult to write. It's very difficult for technicians to write a false positive statement without using not. Right. right. So. The tech, a, tech B items on the ASE test are really very well done. The issue is the t questions that are provided outside of that in general are not. So it's not two technicians discussing. It's you, Dave, make a statement about something, and you, Cecil, make a statement about something else. And I have to determine is your statement true or false, and is your statement true or false. Once I do that, then I have the four same answer options every time. They actually so that's kind of a secret to it, really. It's just don't look at the rest. Look come, at is he right? Is he right? Yeah, yeah. I cover up your statement, and then I go look. Hmm. Then I read Dave's statement, and I go, oh, Dave's true. And then I cover your statement, and I look at it and go, Cecil's statement not true, right? <laughs> right. So, and then I have a correct. Then I can determine from the answer options A, B, a, B or C. Or yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. So. Um, the, the tech A, tech B statements get a, uh, they're a myth about them. You know, if when in doubt, pick C, and that's because it's really hard to, to make a false positive statement. Yeah, that was kind of the last thing I was going to say. When you don't know which one, C is always the right answer. Yeah, and that's right? not true because there's key bounds. Every ASC test, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same number of, <clears throat> almost the same number of A, B, C, or D. There has to be a pattern, right? I mean, <laughs> if I was smart enough, I would like, I would figure the there pattern can, out. I'd just yeah, be able to go in and go A, A, C, D, B, A, C. With the computer based testing <laughs> Product now it's uh, scrambled. So Moves it around, so yeah, all the time. You might end up with four or five D's right in a row, in a row right? yeah. As opposed to, and then you're going like, this is my fourth D. No, no way, way, this yeah. can't be what right. <laughs> what, are, what are the chances? <laughs> so, but yeah, Tech A, Tech B, we limit those to about 25% of the questions on a test. When you see test preparation products, oftentimes they're they're focused on that. Right? Yeah, because so they know why, it's difficult for so people. So that's where the Tech yeah. A, Tech B thing comes because they focus heavily on that. And yeah. when the ASC tests were first introduced, educators were the primary source of the content. So when I go back and look at the archives and see all the stuff built in the early 70s, yeah. a lot of that stuff is and Mechanic A, Mechanic That's the stuff I had to yeah. take. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, sure. we're going to steal that from you. We're going to go over here to David. David, tell us a little bit about um, uh, uh, the training that you're your, your people take or that you guys do? So we we provide training and what makes Autologic so unique is we provide technical support, right, for our customers. And then what we do with the technical support that we provide is we are able to then identify where our customers' pain points are. So when we run a training event, whether it's in conjunction with, with CTI or WTI, we are then able to say, okay, we're getting a whole bunch of customers calling up about Mini Cooper Vanus issues, right? So then we'll, we'll build a class around that to address that specific need that we see in the forefront right then and there. Okay, so so let me let me let me clarify. And what you're saying to me is that you have a lot of people either are, are they all calling in now? Or I understand they can actually yeah, go so through the computer system most now. Most of the people are using either a mobile application or a diagnostic platform mm -hmm. to plug in and, and contact. And you're kind of one on one right there. Right there. Right? Right As right you're there. in the problem, going through the problem. Right. And the and the same person that's answering that inquiry about a particular issue is the same person that's writing the training material. So they they see firsthand 
what the actual issue is. And then you guys are recording all of that data, and, and then you go, you look at all the data and you go, well, man, there really is a real problem with this, a real struggle, so we need to put a class on about mini, you know, fuel evap systems yeah. or, you know, whatever exactly. that is. Exactly. Okay. Um, uh, uh, in, 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 the, in the 90s, uh, the, the dealerships wanted to steal all the business from the independents. So they got together and they did this plan 2000 thing or whatever. And, 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 and they changed their methodology. So back in the 80s and the 70s, if you were going to be a dealer tech, you were going to be a master technician. That was the plan. It was always the plan. And then the dealers said, well, if we had maybe one master technician and seven techs, then, then we would... Uh, we would save money and we would still, the master guy would say, this is what's wrong with the car. You put the part on and then they'd have parts changer guys, right? Right. And, and so you watch the dealership tech, who used to be the genius on it all, uh, kind of, unless he was that A-tech, become the guy that it was just like, you go on the computer, you say, you know, and it says 97% of the time when it has this symptom, this is the problem. And I think that's actually taken the knowledge of the dealer techs down because they haven't had to do that heavy diagnostic. Do you think that, that a product like yours, where the tech is being walked through the thing, are they, are they learning or are they, are they coming to rely on somebody else to tell them what the problem is? I think they still are. At the end of the day, they definitely are learning because one of the things that we'll do on a daily basis is we, we will get that C tech that calls in that just doesn't understand the fundamentals. Yeah, it, doesn't, it hasn't done hasn't checked to see if there's ground right. or, or so they, you know, whatever. They, they're trying to use a, a test probe and it's like, okay, put that away, take out your voltmeter and let's walk through this. So we do provide, in that sense, it is a hands-on training live then and there in that situation. As they're in the problem. As they're in the problem, as they're, as they're working on that car, we are providing them training. And then, and then the hope is that next time they get in that situation, they right. remember that I don't use the test probe. I use the voltmeter. Exactly. Right? And at ninety percent of the time that is the case. They say, Okay, I did what you told me last time and now I'm experiencing this issue this issue. So it is hand holding to a certain extent, but it's we're 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 helping and aiding them, making sure that they do have the utilities that they need. So, so for, for both of you, we'll we'll get to the other side here in a minute, Dave. Um, uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> Dave knows I'm, Dave knows me. He's been around for a hundred years. We're good. Um, uh, um, Electrical is, you said you're very strong electrical, right? I mean, there's a lot of electrical testing, and it is fairly difficult. Electrical seems to be like the biggest struggle, and yet today's cars, that's the biggest issue. It's not mechanical, it's, it's electrical. Um, I, I see technicians that are B-techs, even A-techs, that don't know how to use a voltmeter. Right. Or don't understand Ohm's Law, or, right. or, or you know, no one's... They, they miss the basics. Don't we really need some some classes on just like basic electrical almost for everyone in the industry that's going to work on cars? I do believe so, yeah, absolutely. And it also, to that effect, now to work on these new cars, you almost need a computer engineering degree with the amount of electrical systems and understanding how a CAN network works and how you know CAN signal termination is needed on every single inside the CAN network and certain things what's, like that. What's he talking about? CAN what? I know what he's talking about. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where our customers, we know it exists, obviously, because we're, we're looking yeah. at it every single day, but then when we're explaining it to a customer, if they had if they had a fundamental understanding of that, then you know that would make diagnosing for them a thousand times easier. Right, right. So I, I, th I think we need... I'm going to steal that from you. Sure. I think we need more... 
basic electrical to make sure the guys get the base. Because if you miss the basics on it, then you miss the rest. Right. I would agree. Um, if a technician is having a struggle on an ASC test and they're missing by one question, over the 11 years evaluating, you know, thousands of technicians that have not been successful, uh, fundamentals of electrical will get them over that hurdle. It's usually one or two questions. If they had understood electrical fundamentals better, they'd be uh, much better off. So I recommend or counsel that when they contact us that they're looking for help to pass the test, chase electrical. Every, almost every conference that I attend and, and go to training, like the Vision Conference here today, I try to seek out the basic electrical class and sit in that. I've been doing this, my first day as a mechanic was May 5th, 1985. So I always learn something in those basic classes. You know, or refre refresh, right? right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, I, oh, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in Jamie's class a couple years ago at another conference, uh, I learned about testing uh, five-volt sensory wires, a, a procedure I had never seen before. But it was done in a foundational electrical, listed as basic electrical testing class. It was great. You know, Genius, so, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Never knew that. Never saw that before. So, so, so things like that are really important. So, if I understand what you're what you're saying is that, like, if I'm going to be a technician and I want to pass AC tests, one of the best things I could do is get that fundamental, fun, fun, foundational electrical uh, uh, training, so that I understand that because that's going to give me a, a, an advantage. Uh, a, a two or three point advantage that just might throw me over the top. It could very well help you be from just making it to base camp, the highest base camp on Mount Everest, you might make the summit. And stuff, might actually right? get to so the So passing summit. the test is the last base camp before the summit, right? Because right. you, you don't have to have a perfect score to pass the test. Right? right. But a perfect score is achieving the summit. And if you can just make it to that base camp, that's really important and electrical will be very helpful. Knowing what's happening between your meter leads is really critical. So one more, one more, I guess one more, and then I'm going to come over here with with Dave and talk to a little bit about uh, more about management training or leadership or whatever. Um, the 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 degree. I mean, you know, when I was a technician in the started in the late '70s, you know, uh, uh, points and condensers, uh, really basic electrical, uh, you know, almost like house wiring, not not complicated, no no computer systems. Then in '82. Uh, OBD1, uh, uh, 96, OBD2, uh, and, and now we're even, we're not past, there's no OBD3 yet, no. but we're in a much more complicated, uh, uh, how many computer systems on a typical car? Uh, at least, I mean, European cars, you're talking about over 100 at this point, I believe, on right. certain cars. Even Japanese cars are moving up and domestic domestic cars are definitely moving up in that number. So I know I know my technicians that work for me, my good techs were making over 100 grand. Um, I know that that's not the case. I wish it was. We're trying on our end to help shop owners and and techs understand how to run their business so that they can pay that kind of money. But I, I if I'm going to be a technician that's going to make that kind of money, I almost have to have an electrical engineering degree. Absolutely. Or at least a good basis in that yeah okay all right Absolutely. cool um all right we're not going to ignore you guys you chime in if you want to chime in but i'm going to come over here so so dave um uh, um how we have a problem in our industry of a lack of technicians and we're bringing these guys in but we're not keeping them um how can we as uh trainers educators for shop owners in the in the area of management and marketing etc how can we help them 
so that we can help the industry find and attract these guys with the kind of education or, or give them the kind of education that they need to be successful. So uh, part, of the, part of the challenge we face in that, in that arena is the trade schools are largely um, funded uh, and not, not controlled, but funded by with both equipment and, and information systems and dollars by the manufacturers. Right, right? we're not so, involved. Yeah, so in the aftermarket, right, we have very little involvement. So um, a lot of the, you know, the, the, the higher educated uh, technicians that are coming out of the training schools end up in the dealer program. And unfortunately, there's a disconnect between, the, in my opinion, the dealers and the manufacturers. And, um, you know, you got this all-star tech that comes out of school. And they put him, you know, in Lubrac, and he's on Lubrac for a year, and gets frustrated uh, because he's not using his education. He wants to be a productive technician, or she wants to be a productive technician. And I'm in the San Jose area, and they end up going to Google or Tesla, right? Because they got big, giant brains, and and they're not being utilized. So, and they get paid better. And they get paid better with yeah. And, with, and, right. and I think recognized. Yeah. And, recognized. And almost, almost there's a path of. Yeah. Uh, if I go to Google or I go to Tesla, here's uh, there's a path for me. Right. In most cases, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, your back still doesn't hurt at night, and your hands are clean, and you know, you have a, a great uh, 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 benefits program, and and those kinds of things, right? So, so where I think we need to go in the uh, in the aftermarket is kind of that direction. So, uh, ASCCA Automotive Service Councils of California, which I'm very involved in, is uh, creating a, or has created a pilot program in the San Diego area for just that, right? We have an ASCCA branded uh, branch in the training in uh, Cuyamaca College, uh, which is a, a junior college with an excellent auto technology program. And um, you know, the, the kids that are in, the young people that are in that program will come out and end up in an aftermarket ASCCA shop, right? And, and there's a prescribed apprentice program so that you, uh, you, you know, go to school during the day or in the morning and work in the afternoon. And, you know, if, if you're working with the Autologic scan tool and you're diagnosing the European car in class, that's what you do at the shop. So here's a way to, you know, help your, your, that, that on-the-job training, David, that you described when you're on the phone with the guy, right? That's what's happening, right? You're learning the, the fundamentals during the day. You're applying them in the afternoon, uh, learning the higher-level stuff during the day, applying them in the afternoon. And here's a way that we are challenging these technicians and to stay in the industry, grow in the industry, and then, you know, it, hopefully offset that, that lack of young people coming in that we're fighting. But I think, unfortunately, as, as small businesses, we, we, we suffer from financial, uh, I don't have the kind of funds to bring in one or two trainee techs, pay them really well for the next three or four years uh, until they get the hands-on education that they need. I would say there's two things necessary to be successful. One is education, I have to have knowledge, and, and the second is experience, I have to have experience. And, and I can give uh, knowledge, uh, you guys give knowledge, you guys give knowledge, but they need experience and hands-on. And if we can't afford to pay them right. during that time, I mean, a, a, a company like Google, they know that a certain number of them are gonna drop out, but they're still gonna pay them while they get them trained up and, and in their culture and, and learning what they need to learn. As, as shops, I mean, I know the answers, so, and I think I know you know the answers, but, but how are we gonna compete uh, in that marketplace if we're, individuals in, in these small businesses with, with not real funds. 
So that's where we come in, right? The, the, the training, the management, coaching, training people come in, I think anyway, to, to help shop owners you know, achieve that level where um, you know, being profitable, right? You know, understanding the leadership, understanding the pricing, understanding how to price labor, you know, the marketing aspects, all those things, you know, the, and I think that you know, every shop owner knows this, but maybe most people don't, right? Is the, in, in most of the trades, you know, I'm a tech, right? And, and I decided, oh, hey, I can do it better than the guy I work for. So, okay, great. I opened my shop. Now, or I'm, buy a shop a shop. now I'm a shop owner. And guess what? I know nothing. So I had the distinct pleasure of meeting Cecil early in my shop owner career, and he helped me get on a track to become a business owner rather than a technician with a hobby, right, or, or a shop owner with a job. Right. So um, uh, to you know get better at what I do. Am I perfect? No, <laughs> right. I don't think any of us are. But uh, but you know, be, the understanding the way to become more profitable, do a better job in my business, and that way, uh, being able to you know, at times afford the apprentice tech. You know, understand, and, and you know, in those leadership qualities that that we learn uh, that in in our trainings, that um, you know, to to help bring this young person up to speed as quickly as possible, and create the vision for them, exactly. and keep them yeah. involved yep. and invested, yep. and create the culture of my business as a healthy culture, and provide them with some decent benefits at the same time, right? So that they you know they don't have to worry about you know getting hurt on the weekend and and not being able to come to work and and you know having horrendous medical bills or you know hey I'd like to take a paid vacation yeah of course that's what we do yeah right? because that's, that's all part of the right, game right exactly so that that I think you know it's going to attract uh, help to attract those younger people too right and and I think that w one of the faults of our industry is we tend to treat our technicians too often as a commodity rather than as an asset Right? I mean, I think my technicians are my biggest asset. Well, then, yeah. Well, otherwise, you Well, right. I mean, the, the, the rack's, mean, the rack's the, not going to do it. The wrench yeah. isn't going to turn itself. So, right. um, uh, you know, we interesting little conversation yesterday about inspections and paying technicians and not paying technicians. And I'm a firm believer that if, if the technician is in my, in my shop, walking my floor, I mean, he's getting paid. Right. And, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, and and if and if 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 that person can't be productive while they're still getting paid, then we need to find either train them. Right. Right. Or find someone who is. What's What's wrong? How do right. we fix exactly, it? Exactly. 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 But, but you and I, there's there's a mentality, and I think I think it's a I think it's a I think it's a diagnostic mentality, frankly. But 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 we use it on the business side, and that is we go in and we look at the numbers and we go, wow, you know this. This isn't getting voltage that it should get. You know, the we're not getting the net profit that we should have in this company. And and we look at this number and that number and this number, and it's like, okay, we, we have a problem with our inspections. We're not finding the work that we should. Uh, therefore, we have to run a lot more cars through. Uh, we're not as efficient, uh, and and therefore there's less profit. Um, I think it's a I think the diagnostic technology uh, 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 methodology that we learn on the technical side applies to the diagnostic mentality on the business side. I would I would agree, right? Because I mean, ultimately, it does come down to numbers. Um, you know, it, it's shop owners are generally you know passionate people, and and we used to be technicians, or we still are technicians. So we want to fix things. That's what we do. We fix things. So. And they they know how to work hard, right. right? It's not it's not like I don't know how to work hard or I don't work hard, but I'm not so sure that many of them know how to work smart when it comes yeah. to the business. I mean, I agree. I, when I was a tech. You know, I, I was the flat ratingest guy you ever met. I mean, if there was an easier way to do it, I want to know what it was, so that the next time I had to do it, it took half the time and I could make twice the money. Right. But as shop owners, I think we we don't we don't have that or we don't do that a lot. 
where, you know, to me, again, I'm prejudiced because I am a consultant, I am a trainer, an educator. Um, I think every shop owner should have someone like us, you know, kind of in their pocket because it's going to make them so much more successful uh, uh, talking about the things that uh, that we need to talk about. Agreed. And, you know, and, and, you know, as a shop owner currently, I have a coach, right? I mean, I do I do service advisor coaching with, with the ACT group, but Ray Coons, who is the, the founder and CEO of ACT, is, is my coach, right? And, and, you know, people wonder why I do that. And it's like, you know, Tiger Woods has four coaches. Yeah, yeah, right? four. You know, right? You know, right. I mean, you know, I know he's, you know, he's coming back up, but, you know, I mean, formerly the greatest golfer on the planet has four coaches. What, what's he need a coach for, right? So clearly he recognizes the need for coaching. So I think as shop owners, um, we should all have some sort of coaching, you know, wh whatever you're comfortable with. And, um, yeah, it costs a few bucks, but I think in the end, it, for me, it, it helps. It helps well, my shop be more profitable, it, right? My coaching makes me money. It if, doesn't cost me money. If I look at it like um, I, I buy a, a whatever the new AutoLogic tool is, right? And I, how much is one of those tools? Six thousand dollars. So, so it's about six six grand, right, <laughs> right? For the tool. For the tool. And then I'm gonna have to get my guy some kind of training on how to use it. So I, I'm assuming you guys provide. We provide that. training at, at point of when when you call up when we when we initially deliver the product we have an onboarding process. So we'll schedule an appointment for you as many as you or your shop needs, and we'll, we'll step them through. This is what the tool is capable of doing. This is what you. This is how you do certain procedures on the tool. So. So, so I know that because I was a technician, I understand the need for tools, and I have two hundred thousand dollars worth of tools in my toolbox. I'm pretty sure you you could compare to that, right? And, and and then I own a business, and I have three scanners because you know as good as the AutoLogic is, maybe we understand this one a little better, or or, or in one or two applications it works for us, and I need. Uh, uh, you know, so I have three. I have three scanners. I've spent twenty-five thousand dollars on scanners, so that hopefully my guy, when he can go in, can be efficient and do the job quickly. And I've paid for training, meaning that when he's in there, he goes, "Hey, I've got a problem here. I'm not sure I understand this, or I'm not getting the answer. Give me some help, right? So that he can be efficient and get that car fixed in a timely manner to right. put money in my pocket." I don't even come close to spending that kind of money on my own education or the education of my managers or my service advisors in many cases. Now, we've we got a lot of people here at Vision who have made that investment or are making that investment, but we also have, I don't know, maybe 150, 180,000 shops that, that, that they're not. They're not here. This place is a lot of people, great show, one of the best shows there is, if not the best. and. Uh, and uh, it, it, there should it should be wall-to-wall -wall bodies with all the people that are in the the shops. So, um, it, it, uh, for 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 everybody, uh, we'll probably wrap up here fairly soon. Um, if you had one one comment to help these guys with uh, 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 technicians finding uh, uh, hiring, uh, you know the the problem we have currently, the future. Uh, issues that we're going to have if we don't make some adjustments in our business, what would that comment be? I would say don't be scared to invest now in, in somebody that's just coming out of school. Just get that, get that apprentice tech in there, maybe one or two, and just have them start working on things because you do learn through experience. When I first came into this industry, 
I had absolutely no automotive knowledge at all. I came, I came from an electrical engineering, computer engineering background. I knew how to change my oil, and that was just about it. But once I started working at AutoLogic, they taught me this is, this is how you do certain tests with certain electrical systems, and this is how you run through certain situations. And that, that's where I learned, so, and that was the only thing that I got. Excuse me one second, guys. Uh, booth, 1030. You did it? Oh, thank you. I, got to, I just got to make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Sorry, Facebook crowd. Um, uh, um, so the other thing I, I, I would say, and I, and I think this goes along with it, if you are going to bring that apprentice guy in, have a mentorship program, a plan. He needs, you know, uh, I, I've got a list of educational things that I think a young technician needs to learn, tools that they need to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, acquire or, or that we need to have for them that they need to know how to use, um, you know, something, you buy yourself a DVOM, and, uh, but you don't know how to use it, you don't know how to read it, what good is the tool? Right. Right? So, so we're putting these, we're hiring these guys, we're not paying them enough, frankly, and, and, and then we're going, uh, uh, we want you to get experience, go out there, and they watch a master tech do something, but they're not getting the kind of guidance and the kind of training they need in general, to be successful, right. and we're putting pressure on them, uh, you know, all the time to become profitable for right. us. They don't have that. They're they're lacking in that fundamental understanding that they really do need in order to to make sure that they have a good foundation to build upon anything else that they need to learn and do. They can build upon. So 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 coming back, kind of over here, I'm going to steal that from you. Um, the, one of my biggest issues with with shop owners and and shops is that we hire these people who we know are not qualified, right? And I don't mean techs necessarily, um, but, you know, I got a tech and he's, he, his back is hurting him and uh, uh, I don't want to lose him, he's a good guy, he's been with me a long time, and now I'm going to make him a service advisor, but I, I, I don't invest, at least not even initially, in the training that this guy needs, and I put him at the front counter and go, sell stuff, right? And he has no, he doesn't have the skill set necessarily or, or or the or the knowledge you know how do we overcome that um, it's such a in my opinion it's such a large problem we, we set people up to fail uh, whether they're tech young technicians that we bring in or whether they're you know older people that we bring in to do a different job within our company and um, yes I agree and I think a large part of it goes to you know I'm the shop owner and that's what I did right you know I was a technician I got a shop, I'm the service advisor, I'm the lead tech, so that's what I'm going to have this guy do, right? And, 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 yeah. I, and, when, and you know, 30 years ago, um, you know, it was, you, you were, you could really be an order taker, right? You know, cars broke, right? Yeah. The car yeah, came yeah, yeah. in, broke, and the car left fixed. Needs a water Pe pump, needs right. a water pump. Yeah, people, it was tangible, right? <clears throat> it's, it's, there's so much intangibility now, right, that, that, you know, a light's on, a light's off, I need $500 or $1,000 to do that. So you need sales skills. You need the, the ability to uh, help the vehicle owner, your client, understand that process, what that, why they're making this investment. And so if, if, the, if the person at the counter doesn't have those skills, they're going to be, you're setting them up to fail. They're going to be unsuccessful, right? So really, it's, 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 a, it's a new way. And, and it really isn't that new, right? But maybe it's new to somebody who's been in the industry, you know, 25, 30, 35 years. So, um, and is looking for their first service advisor or first service manager. So, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, technicians growing into advisors, sure. It's, it's but the training's got to happen. That person needs to understand that when they're estimating the job and 
you know, you're looking it up and it's, you know, the, the estimator guide says three, four hour kind of thing. And you go, well, I used to be able to do that job in two hours. Yeah, but right? that it, job wasn't the same Right, it's a different job, exactly. <laughs> it's totally different now. So, you know, you can't, I, I when in, in, in our service advisor training, a lot of times we talk about, you know, thinking, don't think with your wallet. Yeah. Right. It's it's it, it. And I don't mean this to sound harsh, harsh or crass. Right. But you it's it's similar to being a doctor or a nurse. Right. It's it's you you're it's not your car. It's not your money. It's not your wallet. Right. You have a ride home. So you have to emotionally disconnect yourself from the pain this, this client's going to feel. Right. Nobody walks into the auto shop at eight o'clock in the morning and expects a phone call back saying, yeah, we know what's wrong with your car and we can get it done. And it's going to be twenty five hundred dollars. Right. Nobody expects that. So it's, it's a hard phone call to get, it's a hard phone call to make, but you have to do it, and you have to do it in a professional, empathetic manner, uh, but you can't be sorry about it, right? right so right. Um, Because if you, live, if you live your client's pain, right, just like the doctor, right? You can't live your patient's pain. You can't live your client's pain. It'll, it'll kill you it'll, ultimately. It, right. Emotionally, ultimately, emotionally if not, if right. not otherwise. It, and you'll be ineffective, <clears throat> and, and you, know, you have to do what's right for the client, right? Because that's, that's the whole point, right? We do it, in my standard is, it's, it's like the three-legged stool. Right? Right. It has to be the right choice for the client, the right choice for the car, and the right choice for the shop. Right. right? If, if it's not, if one of those, if it isn't one of those three, it doesn't work, the stool falls over. Yeah. Right? So you can't do that. You gotta figure out how to make it right for everybody. It's gotta be the right thing. All right, so 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 um, you guys do service advisor training. I yes, know. we do. Yes, we yeah. have a great service yeah. advisor program in mm -hmm. in our company. Very effective, mm -hmm. um, and, and 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 give these guys. I mean, you're you're spending thousands on on a a, a, a scanner. Spend money on. Absolutely, yes, yeah. It's you you send your text to training. Mm -hmm. Send your 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 front. Uh, uh, people because in my opinion, shop painting. Yes. the front guy is the person who makes or breaks right. the business absolutely. in many cases. Absolutely, power of the pen, right? Right, power Absol of the pen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and you can't if the if the I don't care how great of an inspection you do, I don't care how many rock star techs you have, if the person at the front can't un help the client understand why they need to make that investment and have them make that investment, everything in the back of the shop is irrelevant. Absolutely. Right? And, I mean, and it's a hand-in-hand, -hand, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, uh, It's a know, symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah, but, you know, but, but I think we we And I think the tech get, would say, yeah, but if they, nobody can fix the car. Right, but, no, absolutely. But but, I, but but my point is that we we do make largely make the investment in technical training in some fashion, yeah. right? And we make the investment in at least the minimum equipment they need. And then, but we look at our advisor and go, how come you're not selling anything? Yeah. Right, because they don't have the tools and the skill and the training either, and it, it is, is constantly it is changing. Skill, it's right? skill, I mean, absolutely, there's, there's a skill absolutely. Set to be yeah. to be successful, whether you're turning wrenches or whether you're running a business or whether you're selling at yeah. the service counter. Yeah, I mean, uh, my uh, Jose is my service advisor. Uh, he service manager. He does a great job. Um, you know, I've been here Thursday, Friday, today, and my shop is doing great because my techs and advisors are well trained and they have the power to do make the right choices. Um, but and they know how to make the right, right choices. Exactly. And, been and why? Because Jose has a coach, right? Rena's Jose's yeah. coach. So yeah. um, you know, it, it's that's. I think you you can't. I don't think you can excel without it, right? Like so we, yeah. So so we we one one for you, Dan. What would you what would you tell the shop owners or the people that are involved in the in the industry um, to, to to help them or to help them understand you know the future and and how are we going to get these great techs and train these great people to to be in our companies? As mentioned already here, 
it's absolutely critical to be involved at the educational level with the community college or high school, be involved in the advisory committee as a shop owner, um, donate your time, your expertise, and your skills that you have as a shop owner to their program by volunteering for that advisory committee. Don't be the person pointing to the advisory committee and saying, you have to do this, you have to do this. Ask them what they need to be successful. How can I help you? Right. Go find a local salvage yard and work a deal with them, get them uh, vehicles or engines that they need, um, things like that. Don't donate your used old equipment, buy them something new. Um, try to get pay for training for their uh, the educators there, their, their staff at the community college or school and get them to a vision conference. Do things like that. You know, that's really important. I mean, grow your technicians. You need an apprenticeship program. You need a mentor in your bay to help grow that technician. You need a mentor in the uh, uh, back shop for your service advisor, whether it's a coach or a mentor from another shop, some group that you're organized with, really a network with someone to get to be successful. It, it, it's funny to me, we have these, um, you know, we, we work with these shop owners and we, when we start, they're often here and, and almost always they, they go here and here and here and here. So, so these are guys that have invested in consulting, coaching, uh, education, training, ASC certifications, and, uh, and, and, and they become more and more successful as they learn new things that help them be successful. And then we have a lot of shop owners that just struggle and struggle, but they're, they're not out getting the help. And I understand it. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to, to do this. I don't have the money. But if you're the guy that doesn't have the time or the money to do this, you're the guy that absolutely needs the best tool, the, the best education, the certification, the, 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 because it's going to get you, it's going to change your life. All right, we're gonna we're, we're wrapping it up. Thank you so much for uh, for watching us here on Facebook, uh, Dave. Uh, thank you for being on on, you, on with us. Appreciate thank it. You, thank you. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, coaching, consulting, sales, management, leadership, Dave at the Act Group, Cecil at the Institute. Uh, if you need a great uh, scan tool uh, or uh, or someone to help you get the diagnostic done correctly, uh, AutoLogic, David. And uh, if we need to get the guys certified, uh, Dan over here with the uh, ASC. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks again, Cecil. You're welcome. <laughs> done, done. Thank you, guys. Find other episodes like this at institutesleadingedge.podbean.com or find us on iTunes and Spotify by searching The Leading Edge. Catch the Institute team at the Automotive Training Expo in Seattle on March 22nd through 24th. Stop by and say hello. We've got presents. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.